Welcome to the CCF Podcast. We're a campus ministry at Truman State University. This podcast features sermons from our weekly worship services. Thanks for listening. Uh, welcome back. Welcome back to me. I missed you all last week. Max and I were probably in the middle of a marathon game of Splendor. Anyone know that board game, Splendor? Max had beaten me five straight games. I won't go into all the details, but I crushed him in the end. Because my six-year-old beat me five straight games. So uh, we had COVID. Um, This is horrible. I'm going to have to have this on because here we are. At Truman, we do the CDC, and the CDC says, five days of your sickness, you leper, and then five days of keep the mask on afterwards. So um, hopefully I'm just, you know, it's it's like tomorrow's the last day, so I hope um, you are all good. We're going to do it like this. But then Conrad called me like two hours ago, and he was like, hey, uh, you know we've been talking about? I think this is a perfect chance. Conrad made these shirts. This is um, me, so if you can't see my face and it's weird to listen to me talk without my face, ta-da. My face is also right there, and my face is also right there, and my face is also right, my face, there it is. Uh, oh, baby, indeed. Are you freaking kidding me? Thank you, Conrad. Thank you, Conrad. Um, so I heard great things about last week, uh, the salt and light thing. It's actually not so dissimilar from what I was going to do anyway, because I am not just a standard preacher. I am a doer of weird things. So good job, Reed, doing the weird thing in my stead. Uh, we're continuing on. We're moving through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, thanks to uh, Komar and Reed for on Sundays getting into the Beatitudes. Those will continue with Nat and then some friends in the future. Um, and here we go on Wednesdays um, into the meat of the sermon. Jesus sitting on a hill, talking to his disciples in the hearing of large crowds, and he tells them all kinds of wacky stuff. That's what he does. He just launches into pages and pages, three chapters here um, of wacky stuff, including this wacky stuff that I just read to you here. Um, Reminder, tomorrow at noon, um, we'll have sermon discussion where, uh, sermon discussion, just to clarify, it's not only to talk about the like literary craft of the sermon and like what about this transition, what about that stutter, whatever. Um, It's more like a continued opportunity for us to dig into the text, the scripture behind the sermon Uh, And even that, it's a chance for us to dig into um, the God who is there and the life that we're called to behind the text of the scripture. Um, So so that's what we're doing. It's like um, another angle on our journey together, you know, more than uh, just an abstract. um, It is an abstract sit around and chat time, but um, it's it's for that purpose. Yeah. This, This is a line I keep thinking of in that regard. The map is not the world. Maps are good. Maps are cool. Maps can help you. Um, Please. Please, please, please remember that the map is not the world. The point of the map is for you to actually go out and do the hike and know where you're going and be able to turn back. Uh, the map itself, you don't just sit around and talk about the colored edges and the whatever and the beautiful dimensions. Um, you're, you're severely missing out um, if you confuse the map for the world. It's two-dimensional. What's on offer is the thing behind it. And that's what we're going for um, in everything that we do here, sermons, singing, all of that. Uh, so... Let's freaking do it. Here we go. Let's get angry. Anybody, um, are you an angry person? My hand is up. Just It happens to be up to show you what to do. Anybody an angry person? We got a few. Jude, I'm sorry. I can't see that far. I assume both of your hands are raised very high. That's Thank you. Um, that's my son, Jude. He is a 
a small me, so you can guess, and that's um, Briggs next to him, who is a small Leanne. I, um, I'm, I'm an angry person. I feel things um, deeply, and uh, it's apparently comes out of me, just in my face. You can't tell right now. This is perfect. You have no idea um, what my face looks like, but it's, it's there. Are you freaking kidding me? That's like my trademark slogan, which is not angry. I love you, and I'm happy, but it's, you know, it's like tinged with some aggression, I guess, some violence. I don't know. It's the way that I attack. That's the way I am in the world, except I'm getting older and tireder, so not nearly as much as I used to be. Uh, but yeah, I would say I'm an angry person. I'm here in this wacky bit of text from Jesus. Um, we have ostensibly a bit of teaching on anger. You have heard it said uh, to those of old. Don't murder. If you murder, you're going to be liable to judgment. You're going to be you're going to be tried. You're going to be judged if you murder. Um, Jesus says, "I tell you, get angry with your brother. There's your liability." Uh, I wanted my plan was um, at this moment to have for you up here a couple of minute clip. Has anyone seen the movie There Will Be Blood? 2007, it's Paul Thomas Anderson. It's possibly the greatest movie ever made, certainly of the century. Um, it's Daniel Day-Lewis, if that's a name that you know. He's retired now. He's probably the greatest living actor. Okay, don't worry about it. So just keep doing your Star Wars, or, sorry, superhero crap. Um, anyway, there's a scene in There Will Be Blood um, with a very angry main character, protagonist, I'll call him, Daniel Plainview. Uh, there's so many scenes um, through this movie that uh, resonate deeply. And um, there's one in particular that I was going to show you uh, to just to, to lean on to come back through. The the sound in here is so stupid. Are you freaking kidding me? The sound is so dumb that it wouldn't it just it wouldn't work. It's two guys on a beach in the in the dark there in California, and it's just firelight on Daniel Plainview's like it's turn of the century, 20th century. They're uh, they're prospectors. They're out there uh, looking for oil, and uh, the main guy is with his brother who has like come to find him and. Um, he's an angry guy, he's an in-charge guy, he's an in-control guy, and they have this just this conversation, I guess. Um, and so Noah is pretty good at this sort of thing. Um, he's he's just gonna he's gonna give it to you. So here you go. I have a competition in me. I want no one else to succeed. I hate most people. There are times when I look at people and I see nothing worth liking. I want to earn enough money that I can get away from everyone. I see the worst in people. I don't need to look past seeing them to get all I need. I've built my hatreds up over the years, little by little, Henry. To have you here gives me a second breath. I can't keep doing this on my own, these people. Feel tingly. Thank you, Noah. Um, that was most excellent. I realized halfway through the only problem is Noah's heart is so huge and gentle and soft that you like at times you realize. And so Daniel is not that. So just take all the no drain all the Noah out of that, um, and then you have Daniel Plainview uh, with a competition in him. He doesn't want anyone else to succeed. He's built up his hatreds little by little over the years. Um, he's a classic American man. This is 1905, whatever. He's, he's rugged. He's done a lot. It has worked. Other people do suck in comparison to him. They can't work like he works. They can't dig like he digs. They can't be smart like he's smart. They can't keep going like he can keep going. Uh, and so they deserve it, those freaking idiots. 
and uh, he alone uh, has made what he has made, and he uses people for that and disposes of them. But really, that's judgment on themselves because they're weak and ineffectual, and he is not. This is Daniel Plainview. <coughs> that's not quite me. I don't hate everybody. I, I, you know, the competent, like, it's not, it's not that exactly, okay? But um, I do, uh, I, I watch the movie because it connects in genius. I think Jesus is like, uh, co-credited as like writer or something because they're like, oh, don't murder. Yeah, how about don't even be angry with your brother and like the connection. It's just, it's in the movie. Um, but here we go where um, I turn on you. Some of you said, yeah, I'm an angry person in general. Most of you probably, um, you, you feel anger occasionally. It happens. Probably not many of us have been like too close to actual murder, uh, but we feel whatever that thing is that leads to, it's not hard for me to imagine in certain moments taking another person's life, okay? It's, it's, it's really not. So some of you, you've, you've, you've felt that, like where that comes from. Uh, I want you to take just a second, close your eyes. Uh, when was the last time, a recent time, when, when were you recently uh, very angry? What, what caused it? Who was there? Were you alone? Was there another person? Slight, long brewing thing, an out of nowhere thing. Hopefully most of you have something. You don't, we're not going to pipe up and share them out loud. But now, uh, wh what did you do about it in, in your own head? What did you do about it? You didn't, I'm guessing, lash out and kill another person if there was someone there, probably. What, what did you do? Did you lash out in your brain? Was your heart reaching for another person? Maybe it's directed toward yourself. Like you can, you can hate yourself easily. Uh, maybe it's long past. Maybe it's parents' wounds. Listen, the world is crap and full of crap, and there's so many good reasons to be very angry about lots of stuff. There's something there for you. For me, for me, 40 years old, I have three children who I love dearly. I love my children so much. This is a very common occurrence for me. This is like a just like a PG level one, okay? So, um... I stay up late, my wife wakes up early. We have different like work schedules, life schedules, uh, whatever. Uh, in the mornings, Tab gets the kids ready for school. They eat breakfast, they do the thing, she gets them ready, they go to school. I'm laying in bed, because I just went to sleep a few hours ago, and I'm trying to like squeeze the last 1.25 hours of sleep that I can out. And this is what happens almost, I love my kids so much. I lay there in bed. This is like new too because I'm old. I used to just sleep through everything. Mohal fire alarms, all of it. I, I'd never, I've never woken up my whole life till recently. And now I just lay there in the morning. I'm like mostly like trying to sleep, kind of not asleep. And I just hear, you know, children in the morning, they're in middle school, say hypothetically, and it's like a tough transition into like a new school year. And, you know, their siblings are annoying and they're annoyed and they're, you know, things happen. And when things happen and people are rude to one another in this little tiny microcosm of what can and should be the kingdom of God as a part of this bigger kingdom of God, uh, some of us, when what we'll call righteous indignation and holy anger, lay there and all we can think about is getting up out of bed, sacrificing the last hour of sleep that could be happening, walking out to the kitchen where it could be anybody, say it could be anybody, grabbing that perfectly beautiful head that I would love to kiss that I baptized a year ago or sometime and just take that head and smash it through the freaking kitchen window. That's all I want to do. 
It's all I want to do. I love my children so much I could eat them. It's what, it's, I, it's, so, 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 listen, so listen, not many of you have kids, okay? This is for me, this is for me, like the most comp, Jude, you know that I love you more than anything in the whole world. You know, you know that I do. He knows that I do. He had his first football game last night. He ran for like 170 yards. It was freaking awesome. I was out of my mind. I love him so much. Um, for me, this is like the, 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 the occasion um, that sparks for me the most intense and the most frequent opportunities. It's not, it's not another person's fault. Um, this, is, this is in me. It sparks the occasion. It's the opportunity for me to confront what in the world is going on inside of me. Lord, we are made in your image, and so I don't know what's going on. And also, it's twisted, right? And I don't know what's going on. And how do I sort through the parts that are like, parenting's freaking hard work. Being a person in a close relationship is freaking hard work. It's exhausting. And yet you do it. And you don't do it perfectly. And yet you keep doing it. And which parts of that anger are just embarrassment for myself? Which parts are inconvenience? Which parts are like, I really want better for you. I hope for good and better things with you and your siblings and your mom and in our life together. And I hope for it, and I see the same ways that I stumble, and I want more, and there is real righteous indignation, anger, like a, a despair, a grasping despair there, uh, but a hopefulness too. Um, these things um, are occasions for me to be confronted. It's just, it's right there. It's every day. It's all the time. Uh, and I, I would say over the last, I don't know, five years especially, um, it's been eye-opening to me to see like, wow, I guess I get to do another day's worth of work of trying to come to terms with, Jesus, I'm trying to follow you and your way in the world. Maybe it would be easier if there weren't these people. Especially these people, okay? The, the ones who are nearest you, they're not specially defunct. They're just nearest you, so you have the most opportunities to be enraged by them and to enrage them. So not many of you have kids, uh, but you came from families. Lots of you have siblings. You have parents. Uh, whoever that you lived with on a day-to-day -day basis right now, you live in houses with roommates, and you're not married to them, but you do wake up in the morning and get angry about the dishes, and you do have to coordinate schedules, and you do get locked out of the house, and someone did park behind you and block you in, and someone didn't communicate well about this, and somebody, feelings get hurt, right? It's like your roommate situation right now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's the ripest opportunity for where your anger is going to be aroused. Somebody said, yep, and I'll just say that was a federal collective head speaking yes for everybody. <laughs> uh, I want to say something about that. And, and this is actually, so if we think about um, anger and what Jesus is teaching here, uh, uh, I, I think that, that Jesus is uh, calling his disciples to come and to walk in a particular way to get really up close, to be this tight-knit little thing. What Jesus did was essentially set the disciples up for failure. Like, it'd be a lot easier to not have to live in that kind of up-close community with these other people um, with all these sorts of, like, sacrificial, get-over-yourselves-and-serve-others kinds of mentalities. Jesus set these people up for failure. Uh, why did he do that? As Reed um, has set up, and as we're going to see over and over again, um, Jesus' invitation is into the kingdom of God, the world where God rules and the way that God wants it to happen. The invitation is to step into that it's a freaking tiny little door that you got to squeeze through in a narrow way that you're walking the whole time. Uh, but it's, it's real life. It's, tr it's true life. That's where um, God rules and things are in order as they should be. And you know what comes from the other way. 
Um, if your deepest hope, like Daniel Plainview's, like mine often, is just to get away from these people, these freaking people, that kind of isolation, uh, that's, that's hell. That's what, it's what you're hoping for um, is hell. Like, just give me the blood, Lord, and let me get out of here. Leave me alone. I just, I just want to make enough money so that I can get far enough away and not be bothered by all these people. Their stupid demands, their long-term traumas, their everyday needs. Uh, it, it really, um, it, it's a recipe, it's a description um, of hell. Like, what, what does God want when he looks at the world? Um, what's the kingdom that for him is um, the, the leavening through the lump of the broken world? Um, it's, it's the kingdom of God where we, we have to be up close um, with other people, specifically with other disciples of Jesus, um, learning to do life in his way. Uh, and it, it means that we're, we're going to go nuts and we're, we're going to be angry. Uh, but the alternative, uh, C.S. Lewis said, the, the only place outside of heaven where you're safe from the dangers, the permutations, permutations? Perturbations. The only place outside of heaven where you're safe from the dangers and the perturbations of love is hell. Heaven, you're safe there because it's good and flourishing and vibrant and it is under the eye of God in the way that things are supposed to be. And hell is the exact frozen static opposite of that. It's just every single atom just shot out as far as it can until absolute zero just takes over everything. And there you are. There's Key right over there, thinking he's happy for a day. He's, he's not. He's in hell. There, there I am, you know, galaxies away, just one little atom, zzz, bothered by nothing, perturbed by no one else, no other forces at play. That's not holy solitude. Um, that's, that's hellish despair. Uh, in, in this passage, um, Jesus invites us to consider uh, what is it that puts us points us in that direction? What is it that, that gets us wishing for that kind of static, unperturbed state, that hell? Uh, and, and he says, uh, you know, murder, murder's probably not going to be good. One way to isolate yourself, kill off everybody else. There you are, isolated. Uh, but if you think, well, I must be doing it right because I'm not doing that, um, Jesus says, well, actually, that, that anger, that rage that you feel, um, you, you, you are, you're doing the same thing. It's the same dynamic. You're trying to push as far away as possible. You're trying to savor uh, that, that hurt that, that another person has caused. Um, you're trying to do the same thing. Um, Jesus is pointing us uh, to the anger. Okay, so this passage, it's, um, it's anger. It's about anger. Sure, kind of. Um, to wrap up the bit on anger in particular, Here, here's how Frederick Buechner describes it. He says, of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontations still to come, to savor to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. <laughs> Through the window. The chief drawback is that what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. And he hits on something here that I think is, is the crucial turn in this passage. 
Um, Jesus doesn't just say, like, hey, stop being mad, guys. Why don't you just try to be nice? Can't you guys just, like, get along and be nicer? And why are you so angry all the time? And wouldn't it be better to just be nicer? Um, that's, that's actually not what Jesus says here. Uh, J- Jesus is um, aware of our human predicament and our predispositions for uh, tending toward the hellish delights uh, in, instead of um, the, the world that God is inviting us into. Uh, and um, Jesus has in mind um, here not just that we are individuals who need to somehow become nicer, just magically, like watch more Instagram videos or look at pictures of prettier stuff to get happy. Um, actually, um, in, in the middle of this passage, I've, I've been um, kind of shocked. Um, Jesus, he doesn't tell us what to do with it. Like, I, I kind of thought, like, wouldn't it be nice, Jesus, if you were like, okay, guys, now acknowledge that and name it, and we have a nice counseling session, and you, can, and you should do that. We should do this, okay, but here's what this passage doesn't do. He doesn't say acknowledge it and tame it and say that it's there and then learn to, like, accept it and get over it and whatever. Um, he doesn't even say, what do you do with that anger? You forgive the people who did the thing to you. Um, it's weird. Right in, the, right in the middle of the passage, Jesus says, if you're angry with your brother, you're liable to judgment. You have these kinds of isolationist, uh, anti-other people stances, um, you're in trouble, in danger of the hell of fire. That, that's the life um, that you're trying to live. Uh, but here's what he says. So, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you. And I read it like a hundred times before it really kicked in. I was like, okay, yeah, we're angry, so what do we do about that? You're there at the altar, you're worshiping God, giving your life back to God. You're trying to do all the things that you think you should do, live in the ways that you think you should live, offering on the altar back to God your life, the gift of your life, trying to do it right. I mean, and he doesn't say, well, what are you going to do about your anger in that situation? Uh, he says, so, connecting it back to your anger, um, you're there, you remember that your brother has something against you. Why does my brother have something against me? That means he's mad at me. So Jesus says, uh, hey, you crazy man down front, what are you going to do with that anger? If you remember that someone else, your brother, has something against you, that someone else is angry at you, then do what? Stop what you're doing. Leave your gift there at the altar. Stop trying to fit everything in perfectly. Stop trying to worship me uh, because what you're doing is living in a severed reality. You're on an isolation track to this frozen static hell. Not because I'm angry at him. Um, but because he has something against me. And Jesus, so, so he, he turns it. He says, what are you going to do about your anger? You're so angry because something unjust happened to you because things didn't go according to your plan. Hey, guess what? You are actually the cause of that for someone else. And so, 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 so what do you do? Like, it's, not, it's not even, I hate this. I, I hate this. This makes no sense. This is a board game. I'd be very angry at these rules. It's not, it's not fair. Like, you don't get to see both sides. Jesus doesn't say, like, what would make sense. Uh, he says instead, and it's, it sounds a lot like a lot of other things Jesus then says, these, like, absurd, kind of flip it on its head, blown way out of proportion character things. Oh, you're angry, are you, because something happened unjust to you? I hear you. Yep, I hear you. Um, why don't you remember who's angry at you and go and be reconciled to them? What? Uh, okay, I, I guess. Like, let me go do that. Go to my brother who has something against me. Be reconciled? 
It's really annoying also. That should be like a five-page section right there. Like, how do, how do I be reconciled, Jesus? He just says, go. You're trying to pray. You remember that somebody has something against you. Stop what you're doing. Don't get any closer. Go. First, be reconciled to your brother who has something against you. Somebody is angry at you. And, some, and for me, I'm like, yeah, of course, lots of people are angry at me. That's fine. Some of you are like, well, I'm kind of a nice person. I'm pretty gentle. I try not to ruffle any feathers. People aren't probably, they don't have anything against me. They're not angry at me. Um, guess what? For some of the angrier ones of us out here, um, precisely you just being like, uh, you know, just, just <laughs> dumbly oblivious and nice and not mean, like that's really annoying and we are angry at you. We have that against you. Some of us, I'm just, some, some people I heard do that. You remember that somebody else has something against you. Um, here's how you deal with your anger. You consider who is angry with you and you go and be reconciled. <clears throat> um, this is the point of this story uh, where, again, like that's all, it's a, it's a passive construction. Go and be reconciled. He, like, he doesn't tell us how to do it. Like, what, what if... They don't want it. What if I don't know what to do? What if it wasn't even fair what they're mad about? Whatever. What if, what if, what if, what if? Yeah, I get it. There's a lot of what ifs. Um, Jesus doesn't say, uh, but he does attach really high stakes to it. You're attempting to step into the presence of God to offer your gift on the altar. It, it, it feels like a, a hypocrisy thing. Like you, you think that you are, you're, you're doing this right. You're going through these motions. You're appearing correct. You're coming before God. Uh, Jesus says, uh-uh. Go fix that first. Go be reconciled. Uh, it sounds like uh, what John says in his epistle. Um, you claim to love God. You're there at the altar worshiping and giving your gift. You claim to love God um, who you can't see, uh, but you hate your brother who you can see. Anybody know what he says? That's the first two-thirds of the construction. And then it finishes with, you claim to love God who you can't see, but you hate your brother who you can see. You're a liar. Not my words. The epistle of John. First John. You're a liar. I don't believe you. That same twist, I think, is happening here in the middle of this passage. You're claiming to love God. You say you want to follow Jesus. You want to be in on that way. Um, you want to understand where real life is and how to get there. Um, but other people have something against you. You're living in tension and conflict with them. Go fix it. How do you love God? It's through loving other people. That, that's how you get there. <clears throat> um, we can talk more about this in the future, uh, but for our remaining time here, um, I would much rather um, do it than talk about it. Like This, this feels like uh, a passage ready for um, actual action. And so um, we're going to take a few minutes now. Keeve is going to get you um, a little note card with an envelope, the color may match or the color may not match. Uh, but we're, we're going to take a couple minutes. Um, we're going to have quiet here. We're going to imagine ourselves as um, people hearing Jesus' words who want to um, follow him, who want to approach, step up to the altar and offer our gift to God of our lives. Uh, but first, um, now as you get this, um, I want you to uh, try to remember, call to mind, uh, bring into being, does somebody have something against you? That list could be really long. It may be hard to come up with somebody, but we're going to take a couple of minutes. Um, I want you to think on that. Um, and then in whatever way makes sense to you in that situation or whatever, 
Um, you, you have the paper and the pen in front of you. If it means writing a, a note to that person, ah, shoot, I think I really hurt your feelings when I did that. I, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Or like, ah, I'm not sure if I did something, but did I? Because it feels like you, you have something against me. Uh, I would love to clear that up if we can. However we are to be reconciled, um, I want you to think about it and, and take the first step. Uh, maybe it's notes to yourself. Maybe you're not, maybe this is long-standing, deeper-seated. You don't just snap your fingers and get over father wounds from 20 years. Um, maybe it's, it's notes to yourself, a letter to God. I don't understand how this person can treat me like this, can do this. Uh, w whatever it is for you, we're going to have a couple of minutes. And it will just, we're going to go actual, quiet, reflective, you just get to write. Almost everybody has a writing thing. As they hit the last couple of rows with pens and paper, um, I'm going to read you this. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. I trust that most of you have at least a good start on remembering something that your brother or sister has against you. Uh, I want to emphasize that uh, when Jesus instructs this, um, the point is not uh, to hold us down, to wallow in our own uh, silly ridiculousness. Uh, but it's actually, um, it's out of a vision for what the body of Christ can be, what we as the body of Christ can be um, together that, that's going to come through uh, really painful steps, uh, like telling the truth to each other, um, like being willing to forgive as we have been forgiven. Um, Jesus' vision for that shalomic way for his disciples and then for that leaven to make its way through um, the inert, hellish lump of the world. Um, his, his invitation um, for us there is one of uh, mercy, of peace, um, of immense hope. Um, so in, in this act of remembering uh, what other people have against us, um, we get the chance to acknowledge um, our, our own frailty, our own brokenness, um, to laugh a little bit um, at the ways that we get angry at other people, um, acknowledging that, that we're all in that together, just this vicious circle, hurting each other and then being angry about it and hurting each other and being angry about it. Uh, and Jesus is instead um, flipping that on its head and saying, um, I see your anger, and I know about that. Uh, and um, while there's not a magic solution, um, tr try this out. Uh, here's a narrow gate for you to walk through. Um, remember somebody that you've hurt who has something against you. Um, go and be reconciled. 
Um, there's not a magic solution, um, but have you ever tried um, offering forgiveness to a person that you know you've wronged? It almost is magic. It, it really almost is. Um, there's a way out of devouring ourselves, sitting around stewing in our own isolated anger. It feels freaking good. We'll be skeletons. Um, there is a way out, and it is um, remembering um, that God's mercy that rains down in the shalomic vision that he has, um, it's been freely offered to us. And so how can we do anything less than freely offer it to others? And so the kingdom that Jesus has in mind um, is one where we um, are, are being the blessing. Um, this is salt and light, and it's, it's the next level. It's the next step of uh, bringing forgiveness, asking for forgiveness. It, it, it almost is magic. I mean, also, this, this language uh, is Eucharistic. It, it, it sounds... Um, communion-y. Uh, if, if you come um, to the altar, bring your gift, Eucharist. It's a, it's a good gift. God's gift to the world um, is Jesus' broken body. Um, but Jesus' concern there is that um, his body is broken. Um, the different members of it who are us, uh, there, there's something severed, there's something broken, there's something uh, painful and begrudgingly held on to. Um, Jesus' concern is that his broken body um, do the work that it's supposed to do, um, which is um, to bring us together with each other and to God. Uh, and so um, th this exercise, my hope, um, is that it's, it's a way of uh, stopping fooling ourselves for a second. Um, we think we know God and we love God and we want to follow God, and we do. Uh, but if, if we hate our brothers and sisters and if we're... Uh, don't care about the ways that they hate us, um, then we'd, we, we don't really know anything about um, the way of, of Jesus and the way of God's rule. Um, and so um, we're going to do something a little bit different tonight. Uh, uh, can I have um, Reed and Keith, can you guys come down here for a second? Um, I, I really do, um, I want to ride this like somber um, but hopeful way out of here. Um, we're not going to sing anymore. This is going to be the last thing we do. Uh, I'm going to ask you, um, if you want to actually be in the Sermon on the Mount here, the invitation from Jesus um, is to freaking do this. Um, remember, leave your gift there before the altar and go. Be reconciled to your brother or sister. Then come back, offer your gift. Then come back next week and sing with us. Then come back next week um, and take um, the body and blood of Jesus uh, be, because you have taken um, the body and blood of Jesus into you and live that out. Okay, so um, here's what we're going to do. It shouldn't be that complicated, but it'll be a little weird. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask you to, from here, um, we're, we're going to leave um, in, in quiet. And um, my, my hope is that um, for some of you, it makes sense um, to take your note directly, go put it in your roommate's whatever, car, desk. Uh, for some of you, it means go and put a stamp on it and mail it to your family member. For some of you, um, it means go and find somebody um, and just uh, offer, like, hey, I'm really sorry about that. Will you forgive me? Um, and, and the invitation, the challenge is um, actually do it. Don't think about it. Don't talk about it. You don't need to pray about it. God says stop praying about it. Go freaking do it. For some of you, whatever your thing is, it, it, it's a longer-term thing. Whatever, Jesus doesn't give us instructions on be reconciled. So take the first step. Make the first step. Maybe it's continue writing the note. 
okay? Maybe, maybe it's talking to someone, trying to get some discernment, some wisdom. Um, but whatever it is, I will leave that up to the Holy Spirit and to you. But my, um, my hope is that um, we go from here and we take that first step toward being reconciled um, as the way of actually living this sermon. Um, so I'm, I'm going to have you come. Um, Komar just left to play basketball, which I'm very happy about. And that is going to um, just dismiss you by rows. I'm going to have you come down uh, with this communion language here. I'm going to have you take off a piece of the bread, um, and it, if you will, um, and then leave your gift here at the altar um, and, and first go and be reconciled with your brother. Make the first step, whatever that is. Um, and then just to, to quietly go. And if you can go like out of the building, we'll go on our own. We have lots of times every week for shenanigans and howdies and all of that. Um, but for, for tonight, um, we're going to try to do that um, in quiet. So uh, if, you know, if that's too weird, whatever, you can just slip out on your own. Um, but um, if you will, I, I think it fits, uh, it, it fits here. It, it's what um, Jesus is, is asking um, to be a part of his body in, in the way that his body can actually uh, uh, live rightly in the world. Mm -hmm.